Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club and more importantly welcome to recap number one of Anthony Wong Month. I'm your host as always, Old Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host and for the portion of this month, therapist, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. <laughs> yeah, I will end up therapist as we go on, it's unavoidable isn't it? There's, there's some things you're going to need to recover We're certainly going to see some things. <laughs> We'll be we'll be fine. Our house band for tonight, Primus, for our opening music. That's right. We're now on because it's my month. I get to choose weird ass music to open all the shows with. Unfortunately, I I know Primus, so it it's not that weird ass to me. But yeah, <laughs> m- most people it is. But um, no, as we said already, this month we are going to be well. I say we. I will be watching 31 Anthony Wong movies in 31 days. Uh, with Each week we're going to be putting out one of these recaps just to go over what we've been watching. Obviously following on from our previous month's challenge, which was Takashi Miike month, where we did 31 Miike movies in 31 days, uh, which was a lot of fun. We got to see a lot of deep cuts in the Miike catalogue. We missed a couple of movies and nobody ever let us forget about it. Yeah, we need you needed a you needed a cachet month sort of three month, but I don't think your sanity would have been uh, in place. If it was surprising <laughs> when we did did that just to see the it really highlighted the depth of the Mickey catalog, and certainly by the end of this month we'll probably aim to really do the same with the Anthony Wong catalog because Anthony Wong has been kind of one of these actors that we name drop a lot here on the show. Um, as it's safe to say, we're both be both big fans of his work. Mm, uh, for myself, I was first an actor. I first came across watching Beast Cops, a film which um, I don't think anyone else really likes, but I really like for some reason, um, and one that will be revisiting uh, over on one of these recaps. Uh, but uh, when it came to Anthony Wong, was there a particular film you saw him in first? Or I mean, he he's a, he's one of these um, actors that. He sort of has two careers. There's this Herman Yao sort of career, along with Herman Yao, where they're doing these horrible Cat Three movies. <laughs> they're not horrible, but they they have horrible subject matter and they and they cut close to the edge. But also, there's this guy who's just in a million movies in supporting roles, and I imagine most of the films that you pick this month are going to be. In that, you know, the, the, there's some star and there's Anthony Wong. And he always brings this... He's just a really good actor and has risen above... You know, he, he talks about himself, that he's really ugly and stuff like that, which is yeah, very self-deprecating. But he's just a genuinely good actor. And he's not just done stuff in Hong Kong cinema. He's done stuff... Well, um, he's done stuff in British TV and film as well. He's... um, Yeah, he's a, he's a real favourite of mine. I think... I was trying to think, did I first notice him in Infernal Affairs or did I first notice him in J2 Secret? It was probably Secret where I really said, hey, that's the guy from all those other films. My God, he's really good. And then I went back and thought about it. But I think, I guess he's probably most famous to the casuation cinema film fam as, as one of the um, one of the main guys, well, sort of one of the secondary leads in um, the Infernal Affairs movies. Um famous yes yeah. he plays um <laughs> the character that would later be played by martin sheen in the scorsese remake um mm. i mean i've i could say that i first saw him in hard Boil, but i didn't recognize him as an actor really until obviously i saw beatscots which is obviously a leading role for him um and yeah as you said already i think there's going to be a lot of these movies where it's him in a variety of supporting roles and there's, we do have some movies where he's obviously the lead actor and that's certainly be the case when we get into those cat free years which will be coming up i mean this first recap is mainly going to be stuff that is currently on netflix uh just purely because whenever we do one of these things and we put something off on netflix it always disappears as, time, as soon as we come to it so <laughs> the planner attack going in was we do all the netflix stuff first and then, you know, everything else is pretty much guaranteed it's not going to go anywhere. Unless we have, like, a, a fire or we get, like, all our stock stolen. We're, we're good. <laughs> I, did, I noticed there's only a handful of films on Amazon Prime with him in, which I was really shocked about. Um, or, or certainly 
Prime that's searchable. Who knows what else is in there? <laughs> but yeah, just a, I think one of the films tonight's on there, um, which is how I watched it or rewatched it rather. But yeah, absolutely, get the Netflix out of the way. And uh, so it'll be it's a little bit random tonight, I think, but uh, some good stuff in there. So what did you start with then? Come on, let's dive into it. Um, this is a point. Whenever I do these like challenges, though, it always seems to be the same way. That I enter into it full of vigor, and then I get really sick, <laughs> like the first opening five days. And it's only been the case that I had just like the worst migraines, and it was just awful. Which didn't bode well when you've got like thirty-one days of this to go ahead. But kicking off the month, we started with Full Contact by Ringo Lamb from nineteen ninety-two. Uh, this is a chariot on fat action vehicle. And for my money, I mean, nobody ever seemingly talks about the Ringo Lamb collaborations that Cherry and Fat did. We obviously talk about the John Woo ones, but he done he's done some really fantastic collaborations. I mean, most memorably, he did City on Fire, which would uh, be remade as Reservoir Dogs to an extent. Um, and if it did, with Full Contact being like one of these movies that's recently come back into vogue for no explainable reason. It's a really strange movie because I, I was looking at the Love HK film review of it, and they sort of called it Nilist. It's a really dark, it's not a very Ringo Lamb movie at all, really. And it's certainly not a Chow Yun Fat movie. I mean, it's, I hadn't seen it before. I mean, you, you linked me up to it on, on the YouTube. I'd heard of it before, but I obviously, you know, I'm aware of Lamb. I mean, didn't. I think we spoke about when he died a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the on-fire movies are probably the ones that he's most famous for. Um, but, he, you know, he used to make really solid thrillers with a little bit of politics thrown in. Um, whereas this one is a dark crime movie um, that was most notable for me that I didn't know that Simon Yam ever looked young. <laughs> Simon Yam just stopped dating. I just... Uh, well, he did. He, he did because he now. He, but he looks really young in this film, and um, whereas he, he sort of hit about thirty-five, then just never changed. But he looks about twelve, and he looks like um, he looks a bit like someone trying to be Leslie Chung. I thought it was Leslie Chung to start with. I, I thought, oh my god, that's Simon Yam. Um, yeah. So how, how did you find? So Full it? Contact is a film that I originally discovered through the Hong Kong Legends. Um, collection mm. because they obviously had Hong Kong Le- uh, Legends, which was the label, and they did a part work which I think ran to like 75 issues or something. And every issue, you got like a DVD and you got a magazine that explained about the film. And it was just a really, you know, an easy way just to get a whole bunch of like Asian cinema at the time. And Full Contact was one of these movies that filtered through. We also had things like Skinny Tiger, um, Fatty Dragon. Um, like Red Wolf, a lot, just a lot of their labels and a few like stuff, a few bits and pieces that weren't actually on their label, and I've not seen releases since. So, yeah, um, I just, I mean, some of our listeners aren't from the UK. I hope, <laughs> but we probably just talk about part works yes. if you don't mind, because I think it's a peculiarly, peculiarly British phenomenon. Um, our relationship with magazines and and comic books and things like that are very different, I think, to the rest of the world. And the, and part works was this concept where you, there would be a a magazine that w- would probably have a finite life, whether that was planned to be just sort of an open ended finiteness, which is probably what Hong Kong Legends was. Or, um, or there's going to be a hundred issues of it. Period. And what you would get with it is not only this magazine, but you would get something with it. Um, or, or quite often you get something with it. I mean, I, I, I'm just now just thinking of one that I got as a child, which is called Input, which was um, sort of the British home computer one. And every month one came out, and then you get binders, and you sort of you just get into this whole thing about it but you didn't get anything free with that one but like you get ones where you'll build a steam engine or a model of a spitfire aeroplane or as you've got in this case you know a a new movie every month and if i have any regrets in my life it's not getting those hong kong legends ones because i didn't know i liked it at the time because they're incredibly collectible now and 
I think in some cases, films that are really hard to get hold of, um, and you, you see them on eBay and they go for a pretty penny and, you know, oh, here's issue 13 and 27 and things like that. You could spend your life collecting them. But yeah, I think it is a, a very British thing, this sort of, you're going into collect. And, and what would happen was the first four or five often are at the newsagent and then you have to put in an order for it. And then, then the newsagent's got you hooked because you're coming there every every week to get your magazine. You'll end up with a few of them. They still exist. Oh, yeah, they're on. You they order still... them online now rather than for your newsagent. Yeah. So you see, like, dear Gossy, it's like, build the Back to the Future DeLorean in 400 issues. <laughs> and you'll get, like, yeah. and you, But you're, you're absolutely committed to it. Um, because, <laughs> yeah, some, some, some. Some issues you'll get some piece of major bodywork or some wheels or something, and then some issues, like you say, you'll get a screw or a spring or something that's absolutely. Oh yeah, crucial. when I was working for for Debate Smiths, we used to do roaring trading these, and you saw every single type of part work come through. We had pocket watches, we had dolls' houses, we had puzzles. They just mm. seemed to be. They had one for like beanie babies or cuddly toy sort of um, animals. Yeah. Um, because the only part was I ever had, I had the X Files one. Um, oh right, yeah. Which actually worked out well because um, I was courting my wife at the time, and I used to save the magazines and give them to her because otherwise those would have ended up in the trash. Because hmm. this is the thing you know, you, the idea being that they give you this binder and you're somehow going to keep this, but you don't. I'm I'm gutted though because my parents got me. It was like my pocket money was input magazine. And we had four binders worth. I don't know if that was the end or we just sort of, I got bored and found girls or something. But I wish I had it now. And I look at it, I look at these people who've got it on eBay and I just think, you bastards, <laughs> I can't afford that for some books. But they were they were really good and useful magazines. Um, I'm not too sure what the quality of a lot of magazines are. But yeah, again, you know, there's these, there are, it was certainly probably the primary way that a lot of people got into or got access to in the uk to hong kong cinema yeah period um they weren't you know this was the early days of were they dvds or vhs DVDs. i mean hong kong legends put out vhs as well as dvds um and i remember because they put the the dub version would be on a red background box and the subtitle version would be on a blue box mm. um so but um yeah with hong kong legends i had quite a, a a few of them it's why i saw magnificent warriors for the first time uh they had the really nice version of police story they put out they put out a bunch of the bruce lee ones so it was um it was an interesting collection because it wasn't just the kung fu movies they did heroic bloodshed they did some of the cat free stuff like you got uh, mm. naked weapon naked killer through there as well um so it was a really interesting label and then i believe they turned into premier asia yeah um to try right. and branch out a bit further but when we look at full contact it's very hong kong action cinema of this era it's do you know i wrote some notes down which isn't common for me but i wrote some notes as well i think it's is this 1990 i think 92 right it is so of its time it's got that blue filter over everything (laughs) it's got atrocious canto pop oh we've also got (laughs) that every opportunity of like whenever someone does something dramatic or has a showdown oh yeah it does. It does have get your funk out at the beginning, though, mind you. But it's not just Canterpop. But yeah, it's it's got Dutch camera angles. It's got people in perms that really shouldn't have them. It's just, yeah, it's just it's. I just I just looked at it, and if I hadn't seen it, I'd have said nineteen ninety and ninety two. Obviously, isn't isn't too far away. It is just so of its time. But um, <laughs> yeah, here Chow Yun Fat plays an honourable crook crook name. Um... Galfay, who is who spends a lot of time, he rides around on a motorcycle, he has leather jackets and plays with a butterfly knife and his best friend is played by Anthony Wong called Sam um, at the start we see him saving Sam from this uh, bunch of Thai um, loan sharks which basically sets him up to be double crossed yeah. by 
<laughs> Sam's cousin, Judge, played by, by Sam and Lamb, who's uh, got a nymphomaniac, ironically called Virgin, and a big gorilla played by uh, Frankie Chin called Dino, um, who are kind of his crew. And the longest. Sh- and and si- Simon Yam is, I think the word I read used was fey. Um, he's. he's- He's, he's very camp. Yeah, he's flamboyant. He uses uh, sleight of hand tricks to make like knives and guns appear. And one scene, he appears to be wearing a corset under a jacket. Um, he's he's a he's a really bizarre character. But again, it's just so of the time. You know, they're just making shit yeah. up. And uh, let's not forget that uh, Gal's girlfriend, here played by Anne Bridgewater, Mona, is a dancer in a nightclub. This is pre-showgirls. Um, and mm. her dance sequences will randomly fill the film when they've got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, they just don't even seem to match. But uh, yeah, ba- the, the tone of the scene. But basically, yeah. uh, Gal gets double crossed by Judge when they're carrying out a big arms heist, and he's uh, left for dead. And he spends a good portion uh, of his time training his left hand to shoot. He goes and swims in probably the filthiest river known to man and uh, adopts a dog and looks after a little burn victim girl uh, before returning to Hong Kong to take his revenge on on Judge um, and basically shake up his operation so it's um, a fun action revenge romp definitely Anthony Wong has got an interesting hairpiece and not the most honourable friend seeing as he double crosses his best friend then goes back and hooks up with his wife yeah, um, and and goes from being a snivelling, useless wreck to being a really competent gangster in in between the two halves of the movie. Um, if you've ever wanted to know what Chow Yun Fat would be like as a chav, this is the movie for you. He's got he's got the most un un unconvincing tattoo. Like you say, he adopts. It's not a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, but it might as well be. Um, and he's a bad guy. Well, I, I don't mean, like to use the term bad guy. I saw him more as like an honourable crook. Yeah, I don't know what that means. He's but a he's crook. Honor. He doesn't like just go around. If you look at the other people like Dino and uh, Virgin and that, they're killing. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're opening moments of this film. They're gunning down everyone in a jewelry store. No, he's he's the, he's he's better than the others, but it is a sliding scale. But it's a very unshowyal fact. Chow yeah. fat film. Oh, they hated him role, when he, this think. came out. Yeah, it, it, and and I'm not sure I'm particularly convinced because he's like this. His 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 USP is his charisma and his charm, and yeah, he's 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 in all sorts of films as all sorts of characters. But I just don't believe, I just don't believe this character. It's I don't believe any of the characters, and then you've what you've got in this film also is like half the people can act. And half the people appear to have come off the street. <laughs> but again, it's of its time. Um, what I I, I kind of like Wong in this. I just I think the second half of the movie suits Wong better than the first half. Um, and it really is a film of two halves. Sort of the the bit in Thailand and then the bit in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but it, it it's pretty good. I'm glad I saw it. It's sort of one of those. Um, not so much cinema shame, but it's just one of those holes in my uh, Asian cinema vocabulary that I had avoided. Well, not avoided, maybe just hadn't had a chance to see, and the fact that it was on, on the YouTube was There's good. There's also some classic Hong Kong stunt work here, including a guy being kicked over a balcony and landing hard on his back on a metal bar. Uh, we also yeah. see someone <laughs> thrown off a, a roof wrapped in a chain with only the finished support <laughs> wire stopping him from falling off. Uh, the whole there's a whole ice uh, factory fight sequence which is really great as well, um, including mm. one of the longest exploding car chains I've ever seen. It's, it explodes so bright it wipes out the screen. Um, and we also get the great payoff line of "Go masturbate in hell." Yeah, so. it's yeah, it's 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 a good one to start with. I think this was a four star um, film for myself. Uh, yes, it's got issues in there in some of the pacing. It drags a bit in places, but generally the action's good. And uh, Chen Yun Fat and Anthony Wong are both great. So, I mean, Yam is a interesting villain as well as Judge. 
Uh, next up from 2000, we had Time and Tide, another movie which seemed to be doing the rounds at uh, Gentleman's Guide and Agent Cinema Takeout. They both seemed very excited about this film for a little period, but it's written by uh, Sue Hark, legend that he is. This is him trying to uh, take a leaf out of. Um, uh, who directed Chunking Express? Uh, he tries to take a leaf out of his book, Wonka Way's book, in uh, terms of the dialogue. But the film itself uh, sees a two men thrown together. We've got um, Anthony Wu here play, playing a. Sorry. Nick yes, we've got Nick Say. We've got Nick Say, who plays a. He plays a bartender who manages to knock up a lesbian cop. Sick <laughs> with me here. Um, who goes to work for a, a loan shark who, instead of collecting money off his debtors, makes them work for his bodyguard company. And this is a character played by Anthony Wong. Who then teams up with a mercenary who's um, escaped over here. Who uh, played by, by Wu Bei. Who, with the two, basically being forced together uh, when Wubei's uh, former mercenary team, the Angels, come looking for him when he fails to carry out an assassination attempt on his father-in-law. Um, yeah. This is a real middle-of-the-road affair. There's some interesting fight scenes in it, and apparently if you put a plastic bag over your head, it will protect you from nerve gas. Yeah, so I didn't re-watch this one. I have okay. seen it before, um, but I didn't watch it to keep up with you. Um, the reason it will have got some traction in the various Facebook groups that we frequent is that Eureka did a DVD and Blu-ray of it, um, I want to say last year. It was a weird one for them to dig up. Um, I didn't like it when I saw it at the time. I... I really struggled to engage with it, and I'd forgotten Anthony Wong was even in it until you um, you brought it up. You know, I, I was having a look at your hashtag Anthony Wong month and thought, oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, so I had a bit look back at my review I wrote for my uh, my blog that I was doing at the time, and I was I was unimpressed because it's Choi Hark, and I expect more. <laughs> I expect a lot more, and yeah, it. I just found it really confusing, and I wasn't engaged in it. I like Nick Che. I, I think he's a <laughs> lady's choice. He's a, well, Mr. Fei Wong, of course. Um, he, he's a he's a guy I've always enjoyed. He's sort of this sort of. The, the the next one the next generation of Hong Kong film yeah, stars. Yeah, we. Um, did we call him in the uh, Beast Stalker? Didn't we? We called him in Beast Stalker. We, we also called him in uh, the Bullet Vanishes, which uh, course, we obviously had yes. Miss Kim Lo on from uh, Tranquil Dreams mm. and Moves and Tea. Indeed. Um. So we've seen him a couple of times. I mean, Bodyguard and Assassins. That's one we need to come back and watch. You know, he he was just he was just the face of Hong Kong cinema for a period, and now he's a is he a chef or a restaurateur or something? He's one of these people with multiple careers, but he's also that could be anyone in Hong Kong. Uh, <laughs> the system couldn't true, it? but he is. Um, he did marry Fei Wong, and then they split up, and I think they're back together again now. Anyway, but yeah, he's again, he's just one of these sort of charismatic, good-looking lads. Um. But yeah, it isn't a film that I could even tell you. you. You just described the plot to me and I thought, oh, I don't remember that at all. So it really didn't stick with my head, in my head. But um, yeah, I know I know why it's it's had a little bit of resurgence because it got a re-release. Um, but, you know, I think we both know five other Choi Hart films we'd rather see rather than this. Uh. Yeah, I mean, the action scenes are, are interesting in this for sure but it's just the rest of the film is a bit of a mm. tedious bore um, about these two guys basically trying to do the right thing only to obviously constantly end up on the wrong side of things um, it's yeah it just didn't really sit well with myself so that was a solid three stars for that one uh, next up we had Legend of the Fist The Return of Chen oh. Zin um, a three and a half star offering from Donnie Yen 
This is film is actually a belated sequel to the Jet League classic Fist which of Legend. Which was a remake of Fist of Fury. <laughs> which, yes, which was a remake of Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. Um, which itself spawned two exploitation uh, films, Fist of Fury 2 and Fist of Fury 3. And a Light. whole bunch of TV shows. In fact, Donnie Yen plays the character in a TV sh- version as well. So he's, yeah, so he's reprising a role that he had done some 15 years earlier. <laughs> it's, it's complicated, but Chen's, Chen Jin is, is, a, is clearly a fictional character that um, has lasted, probably because, you know, it was one of the, the few Bruce Lee roles, wasn't it? So Yeah, it was one of the um, the big breakout roles for, for Bruce Lee. I mean, he obviously did that mm. after The Big Boss. And it was more established the template of what we expected from the Bruce Lee movies rather than I'm just not going to fight people, <laughs> which was obviously the big problem we had yeah. with the big boss. I mean, I would say this film almost suffers a similar fate. Is that it's it's uh, about an hour and forty, hour and fifty long, and there's very little Donnie Yen fighting. Um, what there is is pretty good, but there's a lot of him mm. just walking around with his permatan and his shiny teeth. Um, in, however. <laughs> And I think I'm sure I've said this before. One of my favourite locations and times for for films, it's sort of 1920s Shanghai. Um, I love films set in this period. There's this glorious sort of mix of Western and Eastern styles and fashions crashing together in the sort of the the semi-occupied city of Shanghai. There's there's quite a few films set around this period, and actually, the same way that we talked about um full contact being of its time so this is 2010 i think yeah there's a ton of movies not exactly like this that are released at this time but there's you know donnie yen's and all the Ip-Man movies which have a similar sort of feel they're 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 donnie yen in an historical drama playing a figure that's either real or fictional doesn't really matter um that is fighting against the an oppressor, usually the Japanese, sometimes the British, sometimes both, and um, and 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 there's a sort of this this thing about Chinese nationalism running through these films. There was a ton of movies like this. Donnie Yen happened to be in a few of them, but there were just there was just a lot. But they are gloriously well made. I mean, I think this is directed by Andy Lau, who I think was the director of Infernal Affairs. You know, it's it's a really great looking movie, and it's got a fantastic cast, not just Yen. And this was also sorry, this is also in the period of Donnie Yen suddenly became a great actor, which he hadn't been previously. Hmm. Um, to sort of, and and again, he's got charisma. But you've got Huang Bo, the 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 great Chinese sort of, um, he's a very ugly man, but a fantastic actor. Um, you've got Xu Kui, who we've talked about multiple times before from from Taiwan, who's who who's got the the best lips in the world? <laughs> she's actually also, not something I've oh noticed, God, but I'll tell you what, lips in, in cinema. But she's actually a, she's she sort of lives in these multiple worlds. She's like an art house, and she's a mainstream actress, and also a porn star in her earlier days. Um, uh, Sean Yu turns up for a little cameo, and it's got loads of great things in it. However, it's pretty fucking boring <laughs> huge swathes of the film because it <laughs> it is more it's more of an espionage thriller than a, a kung fu movie i mean obviously he returned in this one he picks up the role the role basically where fist of legend leaves off so he returns from world war one he's assumed the identity of one of his friends who was killed in action because we're told basically the chinese are there to support the french army i believe it is at the start and they're based the ones running ammunition up and down the the enemy lines. So he basically returns to Shanghai and joins the underground resistance, where he battles the, of course, the evil Japanese forces while disguising himself as the masked warrior. 
which is basically a Levicato well, get Which is 15 years before the Green Hornet even happened. But I don't know how they were showing that film 15 years before. But yeah, there's a there's a costume of Kato's costume is in the in a shop window, and he ends up wearing yeah, it, and it can't possibly exist yet. But never mind. It's an homage to Bruce Lee, who was the original Chen Zen. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. In this one, the costume belongs to this character called the Mass Warrior, which is the film that it's, it's yeah. they're promoting. Um, so yeah, he assumes the well, the Mass Warrior, and he's out there. Basically disrupting the Japanese plans because they're trying to take down all these supporters of the resistance movement. So he enters into this. When the film finally gets gets going, he basically has to protect the hundred names on this list. Death list. From mm. being assassinated. Yeah, from being assassinated, which leads to a number of interesting set pieces with the main draw of the film, watching him do his uh, usual one versus a hundred finale where he breaks up the nunchucks and challenges and, yeah knocks out about 11 of them and 99 just walk off at the end it's very weird <laughs> <laughs> um anthony one meanwhile turns up as a nightclub owner with a very sort of mafia-esque look he's got big fan of scarves and he basically takes um donnie Yen's character under his his wing as his right man which means he just gets to have a nicer look he gets to wear waistcoats and hmm. uh Hang around antagonising foreigners mm, with in the club. Uh, Donnie's pencil moustache that they don't even pretend is real. <laughs> they just say, no, it's fake. <laughs> he pulls it off and puts it on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a very sort of sumptuous sort of looking film. It all looks really nice and very pretty. And uh, there's especially the scenes when you look at the scenes in like the club um, or the where he um, stops uh, one of the generals being assassinated on the street, which is where he first bursts out his sort of mask warrior persona. That's mm. a really nice shot sequence as well. Um, yeah. it, it's it's a film, but, I think, that if you go in looking for a Donnie Yen action film, I think you're going to be quite disappointed. If you, have, if you are a student of history, it, you're going to get way more out of this. Because you need to understand about how... I mean, they talk about it in, in uh, you know, uh, how do, what do you say when people just say what the plot is? Um, exposition. exposition, yeah, there's a lot of exposition. But yeah, basically the Chinese did get involved in the First World War, but were sidelined during Vers- the, the Treaty of Versailles badly. And that kind of leads to the Japan and the Japanese as well got sidelined. Um, and... That leads to the Second Sino-Japanese War, which is what sort of starting off in this film, and so, so, some of these characters might mean more to you, or the way that things are going on, or just explaining to you why the Japanese are even in Shanghai and the British are there and the Americans are there, but we don't ever meet any Americans, do we? We just meet one twat of a Brit or two twats of British people um, who always never come across well in these films. You know, it, it's yeah. As somebody who's a student, this is literally the era of history that I studied for my A-levels. Yay, I'm lapping it up. <laughs> but I imagine for most people, they don't have a fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> general this, general that. Um, yeah, yeah, there's betrayals. I don't know. There's just, I think I think you said something on Facebook that, that Wong and Xu Kui aren't used enough. And No, they're... They're not. I mean, Shukui is. She's set up as this double agent for the for the Japanese, and they they know the payoff doesn't feel as feel as as good as it is. But then again, we've got to remember that Donnie's character is so oblivious. The fact that when her gun tumbles out of her purse and she mm. points it at him. He thinks nothing of it. It becomes this flirtatious standoff. Because what better way of flirting with someone then pointing a yeah, gun at their head. Yeah, that's a swipe left moment, isn't it? <laughs> that's, yeah, it's... Also, yeah, Yen does spend a good 20 minutes of the movie effectively either being tortured, tied up, or in a coma. Um, I think the film lacks that, and I think it just crashes to an end. It, it sort of just ends and says, yes, but the Chinese resistance continued. And you think, right, what? <laughs> just not, nothing really gets solved. Um... No, a new uh, a new Japanese general mm. gets anointed, 
um, the resistance yeah, continues. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange old film. If you want a film set in this time period, go and watch The Message. It's an infinitely better film. But this is fine. It's beautiful looking, and it's got some great performances in it. And you can squeeze some extra out of it if you're a history nerd. But I, I, I remember when I watched it. This is the sort of a second time watch for me. And I remember when I watched it the first time. I don't think I was particularly blown away by it other than it, it looks good and and it's primed on yen in in his sort of acting charisma mode what next <laughs> um next we find another family driven to murder when they can't get an apartment with a sea view very um dream home um, we're of course talking about the black comedy A Home With A View directed by Herman Yao in the first of his two appearances on tonight's list uh, this is from 2019 and basically follows the Low family who are this uh, family that live in this cramped apartment but the one big thing which keeps them all sane despite the fact they're like tripping over each other is the fact that they have a view of the ocean however when one of the neighbours decides to erect a giant billboard blocking said view. They're driven into action to try and get it taken down. Uh, this is a, as I said, it's a black comedy. It stars Louis Koo, um, as well as Anita Ewan. Anthony Wong turns up as a government official who spends a lot of time hitting on Louis Koo's wife. But um, this one, as I said, it's on Netflix now, but it's probably not one that will be shown to you unless you go and actually bother to to search it down uh but it's uh, it is as i say it's a fun fun black comedy as you see this family not only deal with all their neighbors who are all nuts uh but also try to deal with the situation where they they're trying to get this billboard taken down and the guy who's put it up is basically this unscrupulous advertising executive who's found that by putting billboards on the outside of his own apartment it works out cheaper than buying billboard space on top of buildings so he's launching a new marketing strategy um with obviously his current one blocking this all important view for the family and uh they're quite keen to do anything to get it back but um i think this is a fun one i think it lost its way towards the end but lewis Curry is certainly a lot of fun as uh the head of the family uh wong so i would recommend checking it out i know that there's friends of the show who've uh who liked it a little bit more than I did, but um, same for myself. It's a three point five. I rating. haven't seen it. Um, I just, I'll do. I'll do the standard joke. If I thought Donnie Yen had a permatan, Lewis Koo has has taken it to whole new levels. But he's famous for this. Um, yeah, I haven't seen this. And what I will say is that Herman Yao has become. He's he's gone from his. Cat Three Roots to being one of only two, I think him and Edmund Pang really, two sort of Hong Kong filmmakers that are making, regularly making films within Hong Kong and not necessarily taking the Chinese, I'll say the Chinese dollar, yuan, um, or, or having to do so to make films. So he has started, you know, he, he, he just makes these small little movies with but in all kinds of genres and lots of comedies lots of horror movies um i'm a i'm a big fan of herman yeah and i'm I'm quite annoyed i'd never heard of this <laughs> and you say it's on on netflix yep this one's on netflix What's it called again a home yeah. with a view you should find oh. it straight away. Ah, 2019, um, right, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to uh, check that out, because I think that probably sounds more up my... Oh, Francis Ng as well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's got a great cast, um, but I've never heard of it. But Herman Yeo makes a lot of movies. <laughs> it's also got Lam uh, mm. to as a butcher. Show, who was in uh, Ricky O, he's in um, Kung Fu Hustle, he's in an election, he's basically the big, uh, the yes, big burly yes. guy. In a million um, movies, yeah. He's, he plays this uh, butcher that, um, for whatever reason, just wants to constantly eat um, pork pie buns. So he's just constantly 
because <laughs> hammering away up in the, in the room above it while the guy down below keeps <laughs> smoking <laughs> so there's torn between this guy hammering away on top of them and they've got some guy smoking below them so it's still it's still like whatever could go wrong for this family constantly sort of goes goes wrong um and at the same time they're sort of being faced with uh all these dilemmas where they're trying to constantly cut back and save money so that they can go up and get a better place but this it's this ocean view which keeps them all sane gotcha. so when you remove it of course it sends them all a bit and nuts. just to tie some of your film choices together with things other than um Anthony Wong. Um, Herman Yao was the uh, cinematographer on Time and Tide. <laughs> so, or the co-cinematographer, I don't know how many you need, but yes, he's um, done it. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'll probably go off and have a look at this myself, because uh, you've, you've said some things, Herman Yao, Lewis Koo, I need to do N, that, um, yeah, I, I like a bit of that, but I, I do appreciate that Hong Kong comedy can be a bit of a uh, finally tonight we got another Herman Yao movie from 2013 um, as he throws his hat into the ring with one of two uh, entries in the exploitation <laughs> genre um, with Ip Man The Final Fight starring Anthony Wong as the legendary Ip Man uh, also known as the trainer of Bruce Lee indeed yeah there, there was a whole bunch of not just the Donnie Yen um, starring Ip Man movies but yeah, Herman Yao did a couple. Um, there's also, is it Bruce Lee, my brother? Which also has quite a lot of it man in it as well. <laughs> You've also got the of Grandmaster. Um, so I was a little sceptical. I mean, obviously, to have Anthony Wong playing it man, I mean, he's not exactly known as an actor with a martial arts uh, background. Very unusual, yeah. And and that's something I meant to mention at the beginning is that Anthony Wong is yeah, most hong kong actors that we know have some kind of martial arts background even if it's fake they they, they star in martial arts films yeah find that unusual. yeah you find that it's either martial arts or in the case of like um shukyu and um certainly in the case of michelle yo and um is it uh, mm-hmm. wang pei pei for the golden uh, swallow pei pei, isn't it yeah Cheng Pei Pei, sorry. Uh, they all had a background mm. as dancers, which is, again, a, a, easy to, a discipline that's easy to transfer across to martial arts cinema because it's all about body control and movement. Um, so, yeah, a little sceptical going in this one, obviously, to see Anthony Wong play the character. And you're probably, if you're going into this expecting more of what we saw with the Ip Man movies than the Gun Yen, you will be disappointed as this is much more of a character study. Uh, with uh, Wong playing Ip Man as this very world-weary figure as it joins his story when he comes to Hong Kong and follows it right through basically into his death. Uh, so we take in a number of the major events, uh, the corruption of police, the rise of the walled city. And his character is basically, his main focus is just in training students in um, Wing Chun. And we basically see him as his interactions, how many of his students go off and form their own schools. He has a brief rivalry with um, a rival um, martial arts school headed up by Eric, Eric Toussaint. Yeah. We can't, who's, we, um, a little bit of a we can't talk about figure, it anymore. Now. Although, well, although his son um, is still certainly in lots of movies that we've seen. So Derek... Derek Chung, yeah. It's going to be awkward because he's going to turn up in a well, few he's, of these uh, I'm afraid, along with Anthony Wong, he is one of those actors that's in most of the Hong Kong films at the time, either in a cameo role or supporting role. I don't think he's led many. So, yeah, we'll just have to get over that. Separating the art from the man, his performance here is very good. And we also get to see a play on the... Um, the Lion Dance mm. competition. Um, this film has its own version where they're basically fighting on uh, pose. It's very I Monkey esque, but that's a really fun sequence. Um, Anthony Wong, as I said, as it man is phenomenally mm. good. Um, this is a very beautiful film to look at. And I'm surprised this hasn't got a lot more buzz. And I think it's 
because it's much more character driven than sort of action driven even though when the action scenes do happen they're absolutely fantastic and we have a big finale during a typhoon uh, which makes for a suitably dramatic uh, sort of finale with Vancy Wong doing some of the fighting but you can tell for the more complex stuff it's a stuntman but uh, they they do a good job of hiding where the stuntman is, unlike the Bruce Lee who they just shoot constantly from behind. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So I I didn't rewatch this one. I only saw that this is what you picked up tonight when you posted it on the Facebook, and I but yeah. thought, oh, that's a really good. Show. I remember seeing this back when it came out, and actually I'm going to say both Herman Yao's It Man movies are really good. <laughs> I I really like the Legend of It Man, and and this one is. It's really nice, you know. It, it it's rare we see someone's final days in a in a in a martial arts movie outside of you know the five minutes at the end. This is a real. Now Wong is fantastic in this, um, and I think he I think he says he only took the role on when he was because he was drunk when he said yes, and then regretted it. But actually, he's fantastic. And it's just it's just a really nice character piece that eschews the nationalism of the other Ip Man movies and it's just about a man in the last days of his life um, about his wife um, which is another sad story as well um, about his son about and, and at the very end I think um, you actually get some footage of the real Ip Man as well we do. The One of the last scenes of the film, he's basically practicing uh, Wing Chun on the wooden dummy. And we see his son filming it, and then the film ends, and it shows the footage of the real Ip Man doing the, the, the scene that they're basically replicating here. So it's a very sort of poignant uh, sort of ending to it. But I think, as I said, I think if you approach it as a character piece rather than like, oh, I'm going to get another Donnie Yen-style Ip Man... I think you you will enjoy it because while it's not the most action packed of movies, it there's always something interesting mm. happening. The interactions are always very engaging, and um, certainly this has been the highlight so yeah. far. So it's going to be interesting to see what this is. Yeah. But uh, yes, a solid four star. Yeah, rating I mean this, this one. This is a really good film, and it's funny enough, it's one I keep forgetting about. I, I often think about. I should have put in our, you know, our top 200, top 300 list because it's a film I really enjoyed. And to think this comes from the same man who gave you the untold story and Ebola syndrome. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well. Yep. And yeah. um, <laughs> Indeed, with Anthony Wong uh, in, in some cases. Um, it's a remarkable... Again, I think Yao is just a, a really fantastic director. Yes, he does chuck him out and... But he's just a really good filmmaker, and he knows his craft. And this is a, this is a really good movie. And I'm really surprised it's on Netflix. Um, and you're right, it'll disappear, won't it? <laughs> this one is actually uh, set to disappear in the middle of this oh, month. So if you've not seen it yet, prioritize yeah, sure. this. Yeah, no, excellent choice, and not one that I'd have thought that you'd have come across. So um, yeah, I'm basically just went into Netflix and typed in Anthony Wong movies and they're just like that's our yeah, week's viewing just, um, you know often when I'm trying to point you at movies that I've seen you know because I've had review copies or I've imported stuff from Asia and stuff like that, I think oh how how is Edward ever going to watch any of this because it's, it it's sometimes but I, I know there are ways but um some you know this would have been a film I thought well he's never gonna he's never gonna be able to find this one um, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it, and definitely, yeah, four out of five for me as well. It's a really good, um, yep. and a little gem, a little Hong Kong gem from the last ten years or so. So that wraps up uh, the first week of recaps for the Anthony Wong month. Make sure you uh, join us as each week we will be putting out one of these recaps to go over all the films being covered over the course of this season. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. Leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Come say hi to us there. And you can also check out our blog, which is Moods... 
which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com, which we not only have our full archive episodes, we've got our Battle Royale chapter-by-chapter breakdown, we've got the movie vault, we've got the dark side of Asian cinema, we've got a whole bunch of exciting stuff on there as well, including the Mike recap moments as well. So it's not the movies and tea were pressed. <laughs> Shush. Someone will... Some people are going to be editing this episode. Some people you know, in a mood, in a in a mode. Then, uh, um, yeah, bless. pretty much. So, <laughs> this evening. So um, that's it. Those have been many our Netflix picks. As we go on, it's only going to get darker. It's only going to get more weird. If you have got an Anthony Wong movie you would like to see covered over the course of this month, please do let us know on the socials or in the comment section or send us an email at acfilmclub at yahoo.com. Come say hi to us. Uh, or you can contact us through the website as well. And uh, we will strive our best to try and make sure we cover all the uh, films that you guys want to yeah, recommend to us. We don't want to be to told us. off like last time. You didn't do Itchy the Killer. <laughs> I know we didn't do Itchy the Killer. And we didn't do Bad People no, in China. because we're saving that for a special day. We covered a whole <laughs> lot of other stuff there. Yeah, we did Terraformers. <laughs> we did. I'm sure I'm sure Arrow player was like wondering why the sudden increase in views for that movie. <laughs> It's just tucked away there. I don't think a lot of people realise it was a Mickey. No, movie. I don't think they do. Well, and those and 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 those it's and those shame. that it's do a... don't think very highly of it. I think that he's done oh, yeah, worse. For sure. It, it's not the worst, it's, it's, but it's not it, the best it's in movie the he's done. 25. It's a movie where people turn into humanoid yeah. bugs. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've got to be honest with you. No, I haven't. Um, you? I hadn't. I hadn't seen it last time. But oh. I'll, I'll get it one day. My 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 Mike one hundred and seven or whatever it is 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 it's smaller than I maybe should admit to. Not like yours. Yours is at least at thirty one. <laughs> I don't know how many Mike movies I've I've seen now. I'm trying to think if there's any that are out there that I've not seen, but. It was some of these you've got to get creative mm. and some you just don't tell Mrs. Jones how much you spent to get mm. them she, but she, uh, we will talk about that we don't episode. have clearly <laughs> um, <laughs> she does not care for my, <laughs> my podcasting <laughs> antics so. because we're not talking about true crime or, or theme park disasters I think well, we're safe obviously I like true crime and theme park disasters. <laughs> Does she want to do a podcast with me about that? <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway. I'm kidding. All right. But yes, um, on to next week. But uh, until then, thank you for listening. Thanks to my co Stephen. And we'll be back next time to talk about more Anthony Wong movies. But until then, good night. <laughs>